Great. Well, should we get started with our episode two of Sex Ed in the City? Yeah, I am down. Let me find... Have some notes somewhere of things I wanted to keep in mind before we start. Oh, you're so fancy. I did not take notes, although I have been thinking about it. I just I wrote down a couple because we're talking about like uh teaching moments that we remember, yeah, where like, your joys. And I like, yeah, God, I have a lot of bad ones. <laughs> I know when I was thinking about memorable teaching moments, I well, there's one really hard one that I'll share. Um but you know what, though? I do have some really hard ones, but most of my teaching moments are really good. Like I was thinking about it, like there's three students in my whole 20 year career that I can't stand. I still remember their first and last names. Like if I saw them on the street, I'd want to trip them. Um, <laughs> but three out of like thousands, like I think that's pretty good. Yeah. And of course, and, you remember them. you remember everybody. Uh, no. Well, just these three people that I are deeply unpleasant. <laughs> And I know they're deeply unpleasant adults too. You know, it's just like, ugh. Um, but three out of like thousands of students over a two decade career, I think is not so bad. Is one of them the student from Bard who like tried to no. do that about the paper? What, I forget no, what he was, was, he was just, he was a just <laughs> trying to show off. No, he actually wasn't white. Oh, Asian. Um, Are you? Hey. I remember him being white. Okay, my brain. Oh is- wait, oh that kid, the the one that had coke at prom, <laughs> is that the one you're talking about? I don't. Maybe I don't. Yes, remember we saw uh, an eight ball fall out of his pocket. I do remember that. I, I won't say his then. name because I don't want to blow him up. But yeah, if you ever listen, we saw you. Oh, um, that God. kid. Yeah, he was just angry, and now I know why because he was self medicating between weed and blow. So he just had a bad attitude. Oh, I forgot about him. No, these other three, none of the kids at Bard were ever on my list of kids. I thought you were talking about this other kid who wrote this paper that was really messed up his freshman year when I had him. But then when I was back senior year, he sent me an email apologizing. And I was like, growth. That's all we fucking want, right? We're not canceling. Yeah. We just want a little growth. Yeah. Growth. And I mean, he was like 14. Like, meh. like I, as a teacher, I feel like we're, we're high school. I feel like we're doing the podcast now. <laughs> we are doing it. I thought we are. <laughs> Wait, did we start? I didn't. We okay. Well, this is part Hi, of the podcast. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> um, but no, I feel like as a teacher, especially if you teach teenagers, it is developmentally appropriate for teenagers to be assholes. Yeah. So if you can't handle that, you should not teach high school. Right. If you are going to cry because some teenager is mad and calls you a bitch, it's not for you, especially in an urban high school, especially in New York City. Come on. Bitch is like every other word. Um, It's a noun, adjective, (laughs) verb. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I there's so much behavior from young people I've seen in my career that doesn't really like bother me. Except for like those three kids, because most of the time, like eh, they're just a kid. They're in their hormones. They're in their feelings. They're going through something. I remember it used to hit me really hard when kids were like nasty or defiant mm-hmm. or things like that very early on. And it was just total lack of understanding and kind of mm-hmm. empathy. Like I thought I was being empathetic. Like, why are you being like this? But ultimately, I didn't have any understanding of what they were going through and was just like, you should be behaving no matter what. They were, I mean, these kids were going through it and I honestly had no idea. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. sit in their shoes as much as I tried to, but understanding it's about what they're going through and it's not necessarily yeah. about us is huge. Like my sister went through the same thing. She just finished student teaching. Yeah. She's like, she ended up crying in class one day. And I was like, oh, fuck, Casey, like why? And she's just like, so a little defeated and hurt. Hmm. Like, oh boy, Casey, you got a got a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you have to you it's hard because teaching is so personal, right? Because you have these relationships with your students or the kids you coach or whatever, but you can't take it personal. It's just like parenting. When your kid is being a teenager and they don't want to talk to you and they're like, don't look at me, don't talk to me, pretend you don't know me. You can't take it personal. They're just going through a thing. Um, and I think we all can be like, 
can we all be forgiven for how we were as teenagers? You know, I did something once when I was 19 to my mom. To this day, I'm about to be 46. To this day, my mom brings it up. She's like, I remember once when you were 19, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And I'm like, mom, can I please be forgiven for every time I was a jerk in my teens? I apologize. I'm so sorry. And you have to, like, because <laughs> that's what it is. You know, you can't keep, it's just teenagering. I would have loved to hear what you did to be a jerk. I was so like well-behaved and like, doing all the things I was supposed to do. I wish I had been more rebellious. My parents didn't scare me, but it was also just like, I need to be this good boy. Like do all these nice Mm. things. Tell me something you did as a kid or what's the moment that. Oh, well, my mom was talking about, I, I back talked her in front of other, I, I was actually in college and I, we were at my boyfriend's house and I back talked her in front of his parents. And she was embarrassed because his mom said, I can't believe you let your daughter talk to you that way. Um, and so I think part of it was like her shame, you know, of being called out by another parent. And I did, I was, I talked to her. I, she should have popped me in the mouth probably, but I mean, also that didn't work because that you know, I got popped in the mouth plenty as a young person. I'm still a smart ass. So maybe that was, you know, that's not the best form of discipline. I'm not promoting violence. But... Just gonna, that's my next question, but yeah. <laughs> No, I did. Uh, I did get spanked and I did get, I mostly got slapped in the face. My mom didn't like smart mouths yet. All her kids. <laughs> You're a Leo. So, I mean, we can't, yeah. it was just in your destiny. It's in your star chart. <laughs> my destiny, my star chart. Yeah. I mean, I was, um, you know, there are very few times I was super rebellious. I mean, my mom, my stepfather, were very strict when I was in middle school and high school. So I I didn't get an opportunity to get in trouble very often. But I do remember one time I was mad at my mom. My house had this like long hallway you have to walk through, similar to like what you would think of like a railroad apartment in New York. Um, And I don't know, I thought I was tough. I, me and my mom were in a fight. We walked past each other in the hallway and I tried to be slick and like check my mom on the shoulder like a check and pretend like, oh, I accidentally did it. Let me tell you, this woman, first of all, my mom has superhuman strength. She grabbed me, threw me up against the wall. She was like, don't you ever do that again. And I thought I was going to die. I thought my life was over in that moment. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I was going to be, first of all, who checks their mom? Like what? I really like lost my mind. Okay. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but she had me hemmed up like, oh, I was like, I might die. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Um, I want this to be over. No, Stop. like she like, my mom, my mom did hair for years. So like imagine standing for eight hours a day with your arms up like this and the strength that gives you, she's freakishly yeah. strong. And she threw me up against that wall. Like she was in WWE, like, <laughs> like nah, bitch, you're not checking me little 15. Could your mom girl. still kick your ass? Oh yeah. I'm not a fighter though. Most people could fi- kick my ass. Like wow. I'm, who am I fighting? Like I'll talk I'm, shit, but in the, when it comes to, I'm like, Hey, don't hit me. My contacts. I'm definitely not either. I always beg on being faster than everybody I need to fight so I can run away. <laughs> like yeah. I will bolt out of there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have hit two people in my life. Um, once in seventh grade and one, an ex-boyfriend in a very, bad, bad relationship. But, um, like I wasn't like a fighter. I was more like run away, hide in the bathroom kind of person. Yeah. There's, I would, I had to break up two kids yesterday in school. I was just like pushing the one away. I was like, this is so stupid. Like, they're just like trying to be tough. And I was like, what do you, what do you want out of this? But I get it. Like, it's like asserting yeah. your dominance. I'm not backing down, like bring it and on. Not being embarrassed, you know, in front of in, everyone. In the main entrance of school, too. I'm just like, this this is fun. And no one else is helping me. I'm just I'm like pushing him away. Oh my gosh. He might have went out on the field after and fought it out. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I definitely had to break up some fights. I remember lifting up this girl by the waist. She was really tall, but she was very thin. You know, she's like gangly. She was like 15 and she had long nails and she was going in on this other girl and I was like I just went in behind her picked her up like moved her out of the way she was like Miss Gibson let me go I'm not joking let me go I don't want to hurt you let me go 
it was wild. I used, there was a, the school, the first school I taught at, I had a lot of fights in California. Um, and so did the first school I taught at in New York city. It was in the Bronx and it was, a. There was a lot of fights. Ugh, it was really hard. And it was a lot of violence, like from the safety agents of the school towards kids. Like a lot of kids, like I see a lot of kids like getting beat by the nightstick by the safety oh agents. Like it was really bad. It was a really violent school. Um, ugh, I only worked there a year and I couldn't handle it anymore. It was pretty intense. That's and like, there's like, there, you can't get in, like you can't stop it. Oh, it was really scary. It's traumatic. Like, yeah. I also think back to like, when I was an early stage teacher and teacher prep where they're like, do not ever yeah. step. Like, yeah. Conflicting messages and thoughts. Like you care about these kids. You have the ability to like pull them apart yeah and I think that's our natural reaction unless yeah it was like two bigger like men but like yeah of course we want to help and get them apart but yeah legal liabilities like if you yeah the life yeah just like how are we here like that's yeah. the last thing we're thinking of we're trying to save these kids lives yeah and like I remember at that school being like stop stop to like the adults oh it was interesting school though, because, you know, in New York city, especially when I first started teaching there, you could be in high school till you were 21. So we'd have 21 year olds in school with 14 year olds, you know, 20, these are grown men, like the size of grown men hung over coming to whatever. Yeah. School. However, Fire. coming in and then getting an altercation with another grown man that just happens to be a safety agent. Mm. But I was like, it, it wasn't like a child. I didn't like, it wasn't like a child. To, with an adult, it was like two grown men, just one with a position of power. And it would be so scary. Um, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. And then when I worked at another school, the school I worked at for 10 years, there was a lot of, it was mostly girls. So it was a lot of girl fights over boys, a lot of like hair pulling, a lot of scratching yeah. with nails. A couple girls were rough and tough, could fight for real, for real, but once I got to that school, I had enough experience. I stopped getting in the middle. I'd just be like, nope, <laughs> not going to get hurt today. Yeah. yeah it's some, you gauge your own safety before you insert yeah. yourself. Yeah. It's, it's very hard though, watching two young people, especially young people that, you know, fight. Um, yeah. That, yeah. I didn't even think about some of these things, but now I'm remembering ones that came up in the past. Yeah, I definitely a lot when I was in Pennsylvania for sure. Mm. But what are we talking yeah. about today, Dr. G? What's our topic? Uh, well, I guess that I mean this is like seamless, right? We're talking about our wildest teaching moments, or most inspirational, or most memorable teaching moments. And I think, you know, I wasn't thinking about the the fights either when I was, you know, the things that I brought to talk about. But it's interesting that that's where we started because that is so traumatic witnessing violence of certain magnitudes in young people, you know, yeah. so all those, all those feelings, all that anger and rage that is hard to talk about when you're young or isn't listened to depending on who you are, you know? Yeah. It just comes like, out. We talk about that in health. Like, I mean, social emotional learning, right. That should be part of everybody's curriculum. It, Mm -hmm. adults have trouble with it like it's taken yeah. me to like 25 I like I'm going through shit with my roommate right now and it's all on me to stop from like mm -hmm. exploding right kids are going through so much no matter how much we talk about it like they're still yeah. learning it's well that's the thing as teachers like we aren't allowed to get mad we have the training to know, like if a kid mm. is coming at me I can't fight that kid which is why like when we talk about like uh police violence I'm like get out of here you know better like because if a kid goes wild on me I know that I cannot put my hands on that child you know and nope. so does that person but y'all are do it anyway because you've been allowed to by the system you know like imagine teachers out here just beating up kids you know we don't have corporal punishment you know this is why teachers should not be armed in classroom because it's going to take one teacher that loses it on a kid and shoots him or them you know I can't that argument of arming teachers is 
so stupid in so many reasons. The fact that they want to make actually give money to do that when they could be giving it to, to like actually pay us more or give us supplies. Like, I yeah, mean, let's give everybody a Glock. Is a Glock like a pistol? I don't even know, but <laughs> oh, get your life together. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's wild because, like, okay, think of all the teachers that are too like nervous Nellies to be able to shoot a gun, you know, Never. end up shooting themselves. Think of kids that might steal the gun. Think of that teacher that's a, a dick and then gets loses it that day and shoots a kid. Like there's, they're going to be used for a bunch of horrible things before it would ever be used to stop an intruder. Like that's like the wildest thing. I would not want a gun in my classroom, even if I had yeah. all the classes. Get like, out of here. Carry it on my hip when I change rooms. Like, yeah, imagine walking around school with oh. a gun on your head. Like, what, what year is it? Were you just in the Wild West? Like, no. <laughs> it's it's wild to me that people think that that's the solution. And I'm like, mm. Second Amendment above all else. Well, that's and all that matters. Right. I'm like, ugh, no. Like, <laughs> or like in a third grade classroom or a first grade classroom where kids are little and they accidentally get into it. And are curious. Like, there's just so many bad stories that would happen if teachers were armed. I, I just, I cannot get with it. Yeah. So, thank goodness. I mean, and I've seen, you know, I worked at a couple of schools in New York City that were scanning schools. So, mm-hmm. you know, Bard isn't, but there are high schools you have to go through the metal detectors. And I have been at schools when there's been shooting, like right outside and, um, it's very scary. Like I've been, here's a wild moment of teaching. It was my first year teaching. I started teaching in Long Beach, California, and it was the homecoming dance. So it was like October, like my second month. And it was the homecoming dance. It was at the school in the gym. Some girl got kicked out of the dance. I don't remember why. So if folks are familiar with Long Beach at all, uh, 21st Street Crips is like a pretty you know, well-known gang that folks talk about. So this girl's brother was part of 21st Street. She went and got them. We had to evacuate the homecoming dance. The, you know, the helicopter, the ghetto bird was like shining the light on the, the gym parking lot. And out in front of the school, there's like 20 cars of 21st Street, just like waiting. And they were looking for the assistant principal that kicked her out of the dance. And me and my friend were like, ah, so this is teaching high school. <laughs> and I mean, and nothing happened. Nothing came of it. Like it was all fine. We went home, but it was a thing, you know, it was, it's Long Beach, California in the early 2000s. Um, and, you know, it yes. just is what it is. I was like, all right. I mean, I had a student's mom come up to fight me. She came in her leggings, her t-shirt. She had Vaseline. <laughs> she was ready. I was like, ma'am, I don't want to fight you. I'm sorry your daughter got an F. She doesn't come to class. Can we not fight? <laughs> Yo, I've never had a parent do that to me. Dear God, how did you feel? You must have been terrified. Or were you like laughing? Oh, no. no, I wasn't laughing. I, um... Well, she didn't get in the building and she had threatened a few other teachers. But, you know, at that time I had the best boss I ever had, the best principal I've ever had, Mr. Mel Collins, an amazing principal in Long Beach, California. Yeah, he's he's a little bit famous like he. So in Long Beach, California, there's nine high schools. One of them is uh, Long Beach Poly. A lot of famous people went there. Snoop went there. Cameron Diaz went there. A lot of like professional football players came out of Long Beach Poly. He was the principal there. Um, for years. And then when this new high school opened that I taught at, he became the principal there and he was the best boss I ever had. Uh, black man from Long Beach started out as a PE teacher, became a counselor, then a principal. And he, he was a ride or die principal. Like even, you know, I was my first three years teaching. He was my boss. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, and even when I did something wrong, he'd call me in his office. He, I got cussed out by him. He'd be like, what were you thinking? No, no, no. But he never would do that in public. And in public, he always had my back and the community respected him. He was from Long Beach. You know, he wasn't like, 
I mean, let's be honest. He wasn't like one of these white principals that doesn't live in the community. Like he knew what was up. He, you, you know, short man, maybe five, eight, five, ten tops. Um, he was not to be fucked with. And the community respected him and he was real with parents. Like if they would cuss at him, he would cuss right back and he would tell them why they were wrong. And that's what he did with that parent. He was like, nope, you're wrong in this situation. And like, and he was just such a, a force. Um, and such an amazing educational leader. I wish there were more principals like that, especially in New York City, because all at least at schools I worked at, the administrators were like these white people that lived in Jersey coming in and you know, you didn't think, care to like get to yeah. know folks at all. Do you think that style of leadership still like exists, is still possible? I feel like maybe it's just the environment I'm in right now seems so opposite that. Like what are your thoughts? Does like does like that principal? What was his name? Is he still there? Is he still? Well, he's retired since. Um, uh, I think it is. So, um, my ex grew up in Washington Heights, and you know, in the Heights, if you know anything about it, it's a Dominican neighborhood. You know, uh, in you know uptown New York City, um, and he is a middle school principal now, in the neighborhood he grew up in, and so. He is very successful because he walks around the community and he can go up to anyone on the street. He knows them. They've known him since he was little. I, I'm trying to say it without saying his name. Um, <laughs> I don't want to call folks out, but like he's very successful at what he does because he grew up in the community. He knows, you know, what it's like and he knows everyone um, on the block. Like he knows this bodega owner. He knows the guys, you know on the corner. He knows their parents. Like he went to elementary school with the kids' parents that he's the principal of now. So I think that he's done a great job because he's from the community. And that's not to say people can't be good educational leaders if they're not from the community. But if you're a public figure working at a school, you have to know the parents you're working with and the families that are around you and what that, you know, more, more than just culture, but like how a community runs. Like you can't come in there all like, mm, 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 we're doing this, that, and that. And they're like, yeah. nah, get out of here. You don't even know. I think that's one of my biggest, like that was a huge blind spot moving to New York. I left Pennsylvania. I, I It was where I was from. Like, of course I was like fitting in a good teacher. I'm like, I'm going to go teach in the city and it'll be exactly the same. And I was, <laughs> it, it was so different. I don't know i just thought i could like waltz in and do the same shit like those kids ate me up and i deserved to be eaten oh, up. yeah <laughs> i was like wow let's write letters and blah 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 and they're like fuck you and fuck this assignment i was like okay <laughs> maybe we should reevaluate this <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i mean you know it's always hard at first you know the first i mean i still can't believe i had a classroom when i was 23 they just let me be mm -hmm. with high schoolers i'm like huh <laughs> Not that I did anything wrong, but, and I had the training, but I just, when I look back at it, I was so young. I mean, I definitely had struggles. I mean, I had a kid, my first year teaching, this is back when I still use textbooks. This is 2000. I'm not saying textbooks are the way to go, but in 2000, we had a health textbook and I, and kids were like answering questions or something. And a girl came up to me and she was like, Miss Gibson, I have to show you something. And she was like, very worried. I was like, okay, what? Like, show me. <laughs> so this kid in the book had written on the book, I want to fuck Miss Gibson in the pussy hard in the book. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, okay, thank you for showing me that. And I just put it away, but I know who did it. And it was actually one of the very, one of two students I was ever like fearful of in my career. Like he gave me the heebie-jeebies like, like I, I felt that if I was ever alone with him, he would sexually assault me. Like I was afraid of this kid, like in that way. And then he put that on the book and it wasn't like, you know, I've had kids like boys, be like, Oh, Miss Gibson has a, you know, a fat ass or something like that. Or, you know, which was just like stupid little boy stuff. Right. But this kid, not to excuse it, they shouldn't be talking about anyone like that, but it wasn't like scary this kid and he was a sophomore he was only 16 and I was like yo I'm afraid of this kid um what is was wild just like who he was as a person like his aura 
his yeah. energy. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I like, he was never rude to me. He wasn't like, he just came to class, did his thing, but I like could feel the way he was looking at me. And I was like, I am scared of this kid. Um, he just, and you would never know, you know, I think people are like, oh, I'm afraid of like this kid that's so loud or this kid's in a gang. Those kids I was never afraid of. They'll just tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. It was like this one, he was silent and quiet. I'm like, he's going to murder me or rape me or something. Like I was legitimately afraid of him. Yeah. And there's only been two kids um, like that in my career. And they both were very similar vibe. I was like, mm. I don't, I don't trust it. Yeah, especially being like a woman educator, it's a whole different power mm-hmm. dynamic. Not saying that like people cannot be harassed. Like I've yeah, t- kids would say stuff about me in, when I was in Pennsylvania as well. The New York kids, I feel like, are just a lot more chill. But like, got some comments before, and just never, never anything like that vulgar. But like, they would say things, and just like can't say that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Have you had kids, and if you don't want to talk about this or go down this road, it's totally fine, but have you ever had kids like come at you for being gay or like anything like that, like faced homophobia in the classroom? When I was in the closet and teaching, I remember one time, I remember his name as well. He had a bad day and just started yelling and screaming. I don't remember if I was like asking him to do something I didn't want to do. And he stood up and like called me the F word and like, I'm not mm. going to do all this. And he just like stormed out of the room. And like, I remember just being like shocked, just like, I, like, you know, when your heart's racing. And yeah. I was safe, like physically, but like emotionally, it was very hard. And like the discipline system was just like he gets like suspended or expelled and then comes back and nothing changes there's nothing restorative yeah yeah, I haven't really thought about that I'm sure there's some like deep in my longings but I do remember that one very pointedly it was hard and then just like having to like oh my god I have an example too uh but we yeah we just kept going there was a time last year actually on the way to a cross-country meet where I was on the subway and I was with a the girls cross country team or girls track team. And we were just trying to get on the F train, go down to prospect park. And some guy just went off on me. I don't remember why, but he's just like F word this. Like I, I just stopped talking. Cause I didn't know if he had stuff, but I, I was like tearing up. Like I was scared. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. that I got an email from one of the girls the next day on our team, just being like, I'm really sorry that happened. Like, we're here for you. We love you. And then I sobbed some more. <laughs> it was a teachable moment. The kids but... will ride or die for you, right? Like I remember once yeah. somebody said something to me and my students were like, oh no, miss, we're going to get him. Don't you worry. I was like, no, no, do not fight for me. Sit down. It is fine. But they were ready. They were ready to fight for me. Um, I don't even remember what it was, but I, yeah. Just imagine these little bar kids like... <laughs> Maybe not the bar kids, but I'm gonna hit you with it. <laughs> hit you with my in- intellect. Shout out to I, the I, <laughs> my high my high SAT scores. Shout I, out to Bart. I love you. Also, the girls ultimatums frisbee team won states this weekend, so giving them a shout out today. Yes, back to back state champs, like fucking ripping up the state. That's wild. With Out ultimate frisbee, I didn't even know that that was like uh like a um, PSAL sport. That's awesome. It is not PSAL. It's oh. technically a club, but a lot of schools in the city and state have That's it. That's so awesome. Yeah. So proud of them. They're, they're stoked. Oh, congrats. Yes. Mm-hmm. Winning. What so other... when you think about, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go I was going to say, yeah, we've talked about like some violence. What are some like joys or like memorable experiences you have? Yeah. When you look back. Yeah, my best teaching days were honestly when I was a coach. Mm. Um, And I think that's because I would get to know the students so well. I'd have them every day for like an hour or two after school, like in the summer. I would, you know, because I coach cheerleading and dance. So I would take them to summer camp um, and I would know them for like all four years. They were in high school and really get to see them grow grow and develop as young people and so those are some of my favorite memories, like going to camp with them in the summer and taking city kids upstate New York. And they're like afraid of like everything. Um, 
but just like having laughs with them. And, you know, cause people don't understand, like you're not friends with your students, right? But you're, and you're not family, but it's more than just like, come in, get this information, especially when you coach, you really create these bonds with them. That is like no other like relationship I have, right? It's not like a friendship. It's not like, it's so hard to describe unless you felt it. And so I really, like, those are my most cherished relationships. I mean, I, when I had, you know, I've had a couple of students that I coach pass and that's always been so hard because they really are just like part of my life and my memory. And I think that teaching, you know, is such a great joy and has helped me in so many hard times in my life let alone, you know, like I know we're there for our young people. It's sometimes, you know, they're what we need as well. 100%. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Yeah. I, this didn't come up until I was, you were just mentioning this as well. I used to have kids journal uh, once a week. It was like the one thing we did in health class. And it was, I got it based on the Freedom Diaries, which was like a teacher in Long Beach, Aaron Gruel. Yeah, I know that whole story. Yeah. Correct. Like, obviously people have their opinions on that, but she did an activity where it was like, if you want me to read your journal, put like a mark at the top. Um, and if not, just, just don't put a mark at the top or put it in one drawer and not another. So I used to have kids make a mark at the top if they wanted me to read it. And I've been thinking about bringing this back just because you really got to read what was going on in their heads and it it ranged from like talking about like a date they went on that they felt comfortable sharing because they put the star on it um I don't know anything in their life and sometimes you got really hard ones uh like abuse and violence and neglect and it, it yeah it really kind of like what we were talking about before it really paints the picture of who these kids are and helped you develop that relationship because we see them what 45 minutes a day for a semester and this is just a little little extra peak which yeah. I thought was really beautiful and I kind of miss I do miss that mm -hmm. bond yeah I think and especially teaching health you know I I'm assuming this is the same for you correct me if I'm wrong but because we're talking about such intense subjects the kids really trust you, right. I mean, I felt, and I, I mean, I was able to build this relationship in my classroom, this space where like, we talked about some really deep things mm -hmm. and, you know, you're talking about like addiction and you're talking about assault, you're talking about relationships. And so I always felt like in my class, it was just a moment to uh, really dig deeper and create a deeper bond. I mean, I don't know if you're talking about that in like chemistry, you know, I think, I think health teachers and I think English teachers that are teaching like writing really get to know their students in a different way and, and, and share things that maybe other teachers don't experience. I mean, I don't know. I've never taught anything besides, you know, health, but it definitely changes definitely changed my mindset a lot, a lot about what I was teaching and how to go about things. And, you know, we have a curriculum and our standards and you must do this, but if you're reading journals and something else is coming up, you know, sometimes you just have to have a day and be like, Hey, throw all that out the window. Like, let's talk about this. Cause clearly this is something we need to talk about or if something was going on in the world, you know, like when we started having active shooter drills, you know, and a student asked me, but miss, what if this is real? How do I, how do I respond to a 15 year old as we're hiding under desks with the lights off when they're like, but miss, what if this was real? And so I just remember it. Cause it was like one of the first times we did it when I was teaching and we just had to have a conversation in class. Like, let's talk about it now. Like, what if was it, what if it was real? How would we react? What would we do? in a very real way, not in a like, okay, here's all the, you know, the legal things you have to say, but I mean, that's a while though, we even have to have those conversations, but, you know, gone are the good old days of the fire drills where you're just getting yelled at for talking loud in the line. Oh, that still happens. <laughs> oh, do you guys still have fire drills? Oh my God. I, oh my God. Yeah. Not to pivot, but we are always getting yelled at. I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I don't think being quiet in a fire drill 
is going to save her. Well, whatever. But, but that, yeah, back to that point, like, I think that's one of the health is just so it's so real. Like you can, we're talking about stuff that's actually happening and like, you're asking them there, like, this is what's happening. Like, what are your feelings on it? What do you think about it? How does it make you feel? Right. I don't feel like a lot of topics go into that. It's like, memorize this, analyze this text, but it's like, yeah. Oh, kids have opinions. Like, yeah. Like they want to talk about how they feel and they want to hear other kids sides as well. They want to hear our opinions. And I think like, especially with, I remember being in COVID when we were both teaching virtually, like the January 6th riot or like the BLM protests and stuff like that. Like kids didn't feel safe. Kids wanted to talk about it and process it in class. And it was honestly as good as it could have been a time to talk about it. You know, and, and giving them a chance to actually feel heard mm -hmm. because I think especially teenagers, right? They're not listened to. They're like, oh, you're young. You don't understand. Or you'll understand when you're older or not given a chance to voice their thoughts and feelings at all. So when they're given that space and respect, like an, an authentic space and really listen to and shared and be like, wow, you know, I think it, it not only helps build their self-esteem and self-confidence that they can have like valid and valued ideas as young people, but also like opens other, you know, opens other people's eyes, even my eyes to some things that I can't understand because yes, I was a teenager and yes, I have all these degrees, but I'm not a teenager right now. And, you know, working in all these diverse schools, I've only ever been like, you know, I was a, a white girl teenager in a small town in Oregon, period. I wasn't all the other kind of teenagers. And, you know, so I think that allowing them to really share their thoughts and feelings in an authentic way is, and really builds trust with them too, right? Mm -hmm. When you let young people talk, they will tell you the things and they will trust you. And that's one of the beautiful parts about education. I feel like if you're doing it right, we are the facilitators and they are speaking. We're learning from them. Mm -hmm. uh, they are learning from us. We're learning from each other. And I, I truly believe that's one of the best ways to go about education, learning from we, each other. Yes. The facilitation is so right, right? We're not there to like drill something into them or our views into them. We're teaching them how to think and how to express their own views and analyze their own views. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I don't know about you, but I still, every once in a while, I run into a student from back in the day. Like I was just at a conference a couple of weeks ago and I'm giving a presentation and in the crowd, there's this person. I'm like, I know them like, but how, like I couldn't place it. And so afterward, the person comes up to me. She's like, Oh, Miss Gibson, I'm your former student. Do you remember me from like 12 years ago? She's married multiple children. Like she's a full adult now. And she was like, yeah, this is so cool running into you. I don't know if you remember me, but I loved your class, you know, and to, that happened in North Carolina. I've never taught in North Carolina that she was a student mm -hmm. of mine in New York. And so building these relationships, they come back to you, you know, um, even like in the classroom. So yeah, I just love when they come back or like every once in a while, something will, I don't, I'm not really on Facebook that much, but when I am every, every once in a while, somebody will tag me and be like, if you had Miss Gibson in, in uh, high school health, you know what this meme is about or whatever, um, which always brings me so much joy. Oh, uh, I know. I got, I got, actually got tagged in something yesterday from a graduation that made me smile. Two kids from Pennsylvania, six years uh, ago, I was like 29. Yeah. Like, oh, baby. Yeah. When we think about like our favorite teachers, like, or the teachers that made a big difference in our life, you know, I, I mean, all my, you know, most of my teachers were back on the West coast, but it's so interesting. Like when I think about who actually, like, I remember in very pivotal, like developmental stages. Do you have a favorite teacher of all time? Oh, so this is going to get a little political, but my, one of my favorite ones was my first grade and third grade teacher. Uh -huh. Loved her. her. I'm not going to say her name, but during the 2021 Olympics, basically I saw them, uh, talking shit on Simone Biles and her mental health because like 
and the teacher had said something basically like she didn't have to participate like a quote-unquote communist country like she was free uh, yeah and I was just like I went off on this teacher and <laughs> since then they are no longer my favorite uh, uh but my fourth grade teacher Miss Sean- Mrs. Schombacher was rad I love her so much she was so smart she did all the things I felt very loved and cared for I remember knowing I wanted to be a teacher for sure after having her class I used to try so hard to impress her <laughs> oh that's so cute loved her her husband was the PE teacher as well oh that is so cute I think well my favorite teacher uh was actually my cheerleading coach in high school Caroline de Creville who has got to be like 300 years old by now because <laughs> she was in her late 60s when I was in high school she such an amazing person like I used to tell her I was going to come back after college and take her and do her job for her Obviously, I didn't go back to Oregon. However, I did take everything I learned from her into my coaching and my teaching. Um, Just such a good person. And her son is gay. And she would talk about him out back then in the 90s, the early 90s, right? I graduated high school in 1995. Excuse me. And um, I lived in a very small, very Christian town. And she did not care. She talked about her son, Robbie, and he was like in LA being famous. He was like acting, he was on some shows and things. And it was awesome to see that um, because people weren't out in my town. I mean, I I know who was gay and some of them, you know, I know who was gay, but people were not out. And it was really cool to have her talk about it. Like it was no, like no, with no fanfare. It was just like, this is how it is. This is my son. And like, I would have dared someone to say something to her about it. You know? I mean, she was like an institution in our town. Everyone who was a cheerleader in Newburgh high school knows who Caroline DeCreville is. She coached some girls in my school's grandparents and moms. Like she was there. She's still, she's still alive. She's still doing it. I just saw my best friend recently. I was like, I need to come to Oregon and we need to find a Creville. That's what everyone called her. And I was like, and we need to have lunch with her. Let's get her on the pod. Let, let's get her on here. I'll get Schaumbacher on here. Oh my gosh. We <laughs> should get our teachers on here. That'd be wild. Okay. I got to find her now. Uh, if anyone listening knows Carolyn DeCreville's <laughs> contact info, please email us at drewanddrg at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm going to look for mine. I bet I can find her. She was actually Dr. Kathleen Schombach. She got her PhD at some point. Um, yeah. What else, what else? Any other stories that are coming to mind? Should we wrap up? I do have one more story. It's kind of deep, though. I don't know if we want to get into it up to you we're here let's chat about it so this is the most deepest wildest intense thing that ever had that ever happened in my career I'm scared I was the health coordinator for many years at a high school I worked at and so that meant I like uh kind of managed the nurse's office. So there was a nurse, a medical assistant and a social worker and myself. I was a teacher, whatever. So kids would often come in, you know, I was also, I taught all the health classes. So I had had a girl when she was a sophomore, but she came in and she was a senior and she was like, miss, I need to talk to you in private. I was like, okay. So she came to my office, closed the door. She's like, so something happened this weekend. I was like, okay. She was like, well, I was pregnant, but I pooped out the baby. And I was like, what? She's like, well, I was pregnant, but then the baby just like came out of me in the toilet. And I was like, okay, what did you do with it? And she's like, well, I didn't know what to do. So I put it in the garbage and then I took the garbage outside. She's like, but now I don't feel good. I don't know what to do. My mom doesn't know I'm pregnant or know that I was pregnant. So it was like, I was just like, oh, shit. And I was like, okay, so tell me more. Are you sure it was a baby? Are you sure it was pregnant? She's like, yeah, I saw it. I could tell. 
because I was thinking maybe she just had a large clot in her period. And so it was like, so I had to call an ambulance because she was getting septic. Um, you know, she could die. Like she hadn't been to the doctor. Like I didn't know if the placenta was still inside. And she was like, but I don't want them to tell my mom. And so it was like this whole thing because, you know, there's certain things you have to keep confidential, mm-hmm. but then also she's a minor, but she was 17. It was just this whole thing. So she went to the hospital and she was getting septic, but she got, you know, she was getting help, but she was like, I could, I would, you know, she was like, I don't want my mom to know when my sister got pregnant in high school, she kicked her out of the house. I don't want that to happen to me but I don't know what happened. I just, I woke up in the middle of the night, my stomach hurt really bad. And I thought I had to poop and I went to the bathroom and it just came out in the toilet. And she's just like telling me this, like, clearly she was in shock, you know, and she didn't know who to go to. And so, you know, I got her medical care and things, but then, you know, then it was on the news because the hospital had to report it. And so then they were, you know, they had to investigate, you know, was this like a fetus that she miscarried that she threw awake? She didn't know what to do. Or was this uh, a baby that had been born that she put in the garbage, you know, like different things. And so like these detectives, it was very like law and order came to the school. They interviewed me in like, you know, the detective outfits and it was on the news. It was this whole thing. And it was, it was, um, you know, confidential. They didn't say her name because she was a minor, but everyone was talking about it. And I was just like, oh my God. And it was just this heartbreaking moment of this young girl that couldn't talk to her mom and then had a miscarriage and was so afraid and didn't know what to do. She didn't come. This had happened during the weekend. She didn't come to me until like Tuesday you know, she could have died. And I mean, in one way, I'm like, thank God she trusted me to come talk to me that we, you know, she had had my class when she was younger. But like, so, you know, it was just like, it was the hardest thing I ever went through as a teacher. Um, But I think about it a lot now that, you know, in many places are, you know, people are losing their right to medical care. And I think about these young girls that already are afraid to tell their parents and how just much worse it would get. I mean, and if this girl didn't tell me, she would have died. She was going septic. Uh, Sepsis, not septic. Excuse me, I'm using the wrong word. Um, So that was like just a deep moment for me. And I think I just think about a lot, like I said, in the coming years and what that's going to happen, like, you know, here in Florida or in other places that folks are using, losing access to healthcare. And so I hope that teachers can be super helpful, you know, with that. I love that she came to you. Like think of like the reactions or things that could have happened had she gone to someone else. And it's no coincidence that she did probably from having you in class of like, I mean, that's one, one of our major goals I think for most health educators, like how do I communicate or advocate for myself, right? You talk about all the barriers, like this child, this teenager had have been so scared. Like I can't imagine. And the fact that they were like brave enough or like felt confident enough to talk to you, such a testament. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I wish I knew what was going on with that person because she must be, I mean, that was like 12 years ago, you know, so she's like in her thirties now. Um, yeah. And our young people need as many adults like that, that as possible, because there's so many bad things that could have happened, right? Someone could have called the police. You know, I called the hospital and I was like, this is the situation, you know, And so they did what they had to do as far as like HIPAA laws, as well as like minor rights in New York. Um, And her mom did end up finding out. And so they were able to reconcile and things, but it could have just gone so much worse if she hadn't had at least one person she thought she could come to. 
just another example of we have no idea what kids are going through exactly like, that person was in class on monday like yeah yeah like people are yelling at them because they didn't do their homework well yeah. maybe something else is going on because yeah. no one knew she was pregnant she hadn't told anyone so i think that goes to just show us all that why being you know whether you're calling it an askable adult or or whatever term we want to use it's so important to be open to our young people and react to them you know without shame and judgment and more just with listening and being open and giving them what they need without being like well here are the consequences or you should have known or blah 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 you know just like okay this is where you are I'm so proud of you for coming to me. Took a lot of courage to come to me. Now let's solve this problem together. And I and I wish more adults would do that when young people approach them. They panic. They don't know how to do it. They're judgy. Like, yeah, you gotta practice. Yeah, you gotta practice responding to those uncomfortable sure. situations and lead with curiosity and empathy. Yeah, I'm curious what some of our listeners um, might have gone through as teachers, you know, or even as students with, you know, when they were young with their teachers, um, maybe some, maybe folks will write into our email and share with us some of their stories. I would love to hear from folks. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's give our email out. We, we have a professional email now, which we're going to use. Uh, sex ed in the city was taken, I believe. So our email is Drew and Dr. G at gmail.com. So it's Drew A N D Dr. D R G at gmail.com. Send us your your stories, your highlights from uh teaching or being a student. Send us stuff that you didn't like or remember that makes you feel upset or sad. We would appreciate everything. Yeah, for sure. I would love to hear from folks. Well, I guess it's time to wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good, a good chat. It was a good session today. I feel like it, we ended it a little bit on a sad note, but also on a good note, right? Like there are people out there doing great things with young people. So yeah. those of you that are doing that and being the Ask Adults, thank you. Keep it up. You know, young people appreciate you, even if they don't tell you for 10 or 15 years, they do. Yeah, they definitely do. All right, Dr. G. All right. All right, Drew. Thanks, everyone. See you next time on Sex Ed in the City.